0: Syngenta stopped a class action trial with 22,000 Minnesota farmers over their corn losses on Tuesday to announce a settlement with more than 100,000 farmers resolving all farmers litigation in the U.S. Syngenta agreed to pay more than $1.4 billion to the farmers who complained that the company's rollout of genetically modified corn seeds shut them out of the Chinese market. That's according to people familiar with the deal. The agreement comes three months after the Swiss agrochemical giant lost a $218 million jury verdict to a class of Kansas farmers in the first bellwether trial over the corn contamination claims. Joining us to talk about the litigation are Margaret Cronin Fisk, a Bloomberg News legal reporter, and Andrew Torrance, a professor at the University of Kansas School of Law. Peggy, let's start by having you explain the farmers' claims against Syngenta.
1: Well, basically, what the lawsuit was about is that Syngenta had marketed its genetically modified corn seeds before getting approval from China and then lied about when China would approve the the seed. The farmers also said that Syngenta failed to keep the GMO seeds from contaminating the rest of the U.S. corn crops. And that backfired on the farmers when China rejected U.S. corn imports, setting off, according to the farmers, a five-year decline in corn
2: prices. So, uh, Andrew... Uh, the, you know, the case had really not been going that well for Syngenta, to say the least. So what is that why they settled?
3: Well, I think it's a combination of that. They had an early indication in the Kansas District Court that they might lose more widely and that the damages would be significant. But my understanding is that Monday, Syngenta had some trouble with a bond. And part of the reason for that was connected to the um, liability hanging over them from these litigations, So whether it's coincidence or not, on Tuesday this settlement was announced and it may help to actually raise some money for Syngenta which will be needed for part of the ChemChina takeover.
0: Peggy, let's go back for a moment to the claims themselves. Explain what Syngenta officials had denied causing any harm or damages. What was their explanation?
1: A couple of things. One thing, is their position is that they never needed to get Chinese approval, and waiting for Chinese approval would have meant that China had, uh, had a lock on, on what, what U.S. companies or any company could do in the United States. Uh, China rejected the corn, according to Syngenta, because it had been locked into a deal at higher prices and, and was looking for a way out. And any price declines weren't caused by Syngenta, but by a bumper crop in 2013, which is when China turned back the U.S. corn.
2: Uh, Andrew, that that defense, you know, didn't work in the earlier case, the earlier portion of this case, and now they've settled it. Why is it that that argument for Syngenta really doesn't seem to have flown?
3: Well, in in today's global agricultural markets it's hard to make the argument that your grain will not reach, uh, you know, grain storage facilities where other people's grain that may not be genetically modified is also stored. Uh, That's one of the reasons why, despite the fact there's a settlement for the farmers, uh, the grain handlers, Cargill and Archer Daniels Midland and several other companies, are maintaining their litigation. There's been no settlement there because today everything mixes together. And I think the argument is that Syngenta ought to have known that its activities would potentially harm the market value of uh, agricultural products sold by other companies and other farmers and other handlers of grain, even if they had U.S. approval. They really had to be behind the Great Wall of Chinese regulatory approval if they wanted to be safe from liability.
0: Peggy, what is the situation for the farmers now?
1: Well, what's going to happen right now, the exact details of the settlement won't come out until it's filed with the court. And then because it's a class action, uh, the farmers will be given the details on how to make a claim. And individual farmers will be making a claim with the court, showing what losses they can prove. And then the money will start going out to them. It's a process. It's a long process. This is a class action. it'll be months and months before they ever get any money.
2: And, go ahead. Oh, oh, can
0: anyone object at this point? Can any of the, of the farmers say, I don't want to be in this? From,
1: from the statement that they had yesterday, that's not clear. Typically in a class action pro- process, you have the ability to opt out or object. Uh, so the more likely that will happen. But it's simply difficult for a farm to proceed on its own after you've got this big settlement it would be too costly so yes some people would opt out that always happens but it likely would be a very small number
2: andrew there so you've got the potential here for some farmers to opt out but basically this seems to the in, in all likelihood this will resolve almost all the claims by the farmers but what about the other claims you talked about what kind of liability might syngenta face in those other cases
3: well, the liability that's being claimed by Cargill and Archer Daniels Midland and, and the other grain handlers, that rises into the multiple billions as well. Um, in addition to that, you have a Canadian class action suit that was filed in Ontario back in 2015 that covers all farmers in Canada putatively. So there's, there's quite a few other legal matters that are hanging over the head of this deal. I think um, Syngenta is likely to attract most of the farmers in the U.S. to this settlement, in part because we only have a district court decision. We don't know what the appeals court or the Supreme Court, if it took such a case, would decide. And so at the moment, the farmers are riding high, but everything could be reversed on appeal. And I think a lot of farmers being risk averse will simply choose to take what they can now and um, you know, quit while they're winning. Peggy,
0: this was the second what's called a bellwether trial, where uh, the both sides try to figure out where they are in the litigation and, and how to go forward. Is this a quick settlement as far as as uh, these bellwether cases go?
1: Not necessarily, since it's a class action, and it was pretty clear from the first trial that it was not going to go Syngenta's way, and from what was what we were hearing in Minnesota that. It, it, the, the evidence was coming in pretty, pretty strongly for the farmers. One of the things, as as he pointed out, is that you never knew it was going to going to happen on appeal. I think one of the big problems with the cases on the farmer side was in proving damages. Now the jury in Kansas City was fine with it and we were assuming that probably that was going to happen in Minnesota. But an appellate court may, might look at it a different way. That's why a settlement for the farmers is a good thing at this point, too.
0: We've been talking with Margaret Cronin Fisk, a Bloomberg News legal reporter, and Andrew Torrance, professor at the University of Kansas School of Law, about Syngenta's settlement with more than 100,000 farmers, resolving all farmers' litigation in the U.S. for more than $1.4 billion, according to people familiar with the deal. Andrew, the farmers were claiming as much as $13 billion in losses. According to Bloomberg News, some plaintiffs' lawyers had been privately saying they hoped to force the company into a $3 billion resolution of the claims. So why settle for this amount when they were doing so well at trial?
3: Well, first of all, you always ask for far more than you expect to get. And so I wouldn't take either of those numbers as the actual expectation of what attorneys thought would result from the litigation. I think that um, at the district court level, they've done very well, the um, the opponents of Syngenta, the farmers. I think that the decision in Kansas this summer, the $218 million decision, was a very positive result for the farmers, but I think that it was lower than it was expected by some of them. And I think it concentrated their minds on whether to take the money now or to risk an appeal and to risk a reduced damages um, amount or perhaps even to have the appeals court reverse the entire thing. Um, Syngenta had some arguments. One of its arguments was that it fully complied with American law. Another argument that it had was that taking Chinese law into account was too speculative to warrant liability in the U.S., So I think that the combination of those two things encouraged both sides to settle for the $1.4 billion that's been reported rather than um, hold out for a higher amount. And I think Syngenta didn't want to risk a larger um, decision. They didn't want to risk the Kansas decision being iterated over the entire country. So I think both sides had strong incentives to settle. And as I mentioned before, I think um, Syngenta might have had other reasons to get out of this litigation as soon as it could, including... Um, debt issues and including pressure from Chem China that wants to wrap up this transaction and, and get on with selling corn.
2: Peggy, the, you know this was litigation all over the country. It wasn't just one case, right We already had the one trial and then you had multiple United States cases going on. How is it that this actually ended up getting nego- negotiated? It must have been a difficult uh, case it must have been difficult to wrap up all of these cases at once.
1: Not necessarily, because you had the same attorneys who were working on all the cases. You had the case that was going to try, was in trial in Minnesota, but many of the lawyers that were involved there were also involved in the cases that were combined in, in, Can, in Kansas. Most cases were combined in the federal court in Kansas, and that's where you had the first trial, plus you had four trials that were scheduled for for next year, involving classes, for instance, in January of Arkansas and Missouri, and then you had multiple states all through the, all through the, the rest of the year. So it wasn't that hard to just, they knew who did, which lawyers to talk to. The plaintiff's lawyers set up uh, their own committee, negotiating committee with, with Syngenta. So Syngenta didn't have to like talk to people all over the country. They just had to talk to
3: those lawyers.
0: Andrew tell us more about the lawsuits by the grain exporters
3: well there's a variety of other actors in this dispute aside from the farmers you have the um, the handlers you've got the haulers you've got various middle people that are involved as well those as far as we know and we don't know all the details of the settlement but those as far as we know um, continue to be live cases and Syngenta, I believe, has given some indications that they will continue to litigate that vigorously. Um, The theory there is that although these folks didn't produce corn themselves, they make their money from making sure the corn goes from the farmers to the markets, and that this entire schlamazel has affected their revenue tremendously because they no longer handle as much corn that goes... So these lawsuits may continue even if the farmer lawsuits don't i don't anticipate that the final settlement if there is one would be nearly as high as the farmer settlement but it's unclear um the handlers and the haulers et cetera, they're asking for a tremendous amount as well an amount that i don't think they expect to get
0: how much are, what is their number
3: well it's in the multiple billions um the figures that that i'm aware of are between Um, four and fifteen billion dollars I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect that uh, the four billion would even be realistic but they're asking for the moon
0: well um, I think uh, the uh, the 1.4 was equal to uh, almost equals the 1.5 billion that Syngenta generated in net income last year so perhaps the farmers did well Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Andrew Torrance. He's a professor at the University of Kansas School of Law. And, of course, Margaret Cronin Fisk is a Bloomberg News legal reporter.